Yeah, I, that's I. Th I think you said that. Can they take a step forward beyond 2021? First things first, they have to get back to the line where they began the 2022 right. season yep. before they took massive regressions and huge steps back last year. So the first step forward was bringing Bill O'Brien aboard. Second step forward was bringing in some new guys like Robinson to replace Harris. He doesn't really replace Harris, but he's your backup running back. Could be a cog that can be used all over the green veritable chessboard, if you will. Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosicki. Okay, now let's see how they implement this offense. Even if it looks similar, what if it's actually just more professionally run with competence? And you have to solidify the line. The special teams were a big issue last year. The offensive line was a big issue. You hire Adrian Clem. That brings you another step yep. back to where we began 2022. So before we go past 21, we got to get back to at least where we thought they were in May of 2022 before the S hit the fan. Um, speaking of people who could potentially be playmakers, value picks, diamonds in the rough. There's a couple that we have our eye on. We were talking before the pod about Andy believes now there almost might be an unhealthy amount of pressure on this Kayshawn Butte kid yeah. who everyone thinks is going to be Steph Diggs 2.0 because fastest receiver ever to 100 receptions at LSU, 300 yards as a freshman, 300 yards in a game against Ole Miss. Like the tape is out there that when he's healthy and his mind is right, this kid's a stud. But there have been issues along the way. And also, my, the other guy who I'm just as interested in is the richest deal ever given to an UDFA. Uh, undrafted free agent for those not in the know. Udfa is a spinoff network of WSFG. Uh, Malik Cunningham. Now, this could potentially be the 20th year that an undrafted free agent makes the Patriots, which is like an NFL record by eons. Um, this guy, like, seriously, talk, you want to talk about like the market basket or the Shaw's version of Lamar Jackson? That's what I said, undrafted Lamar. That's what he is. Undrafted undrafted is that's it. We're just going to call him. I mean, he can scoot. He moves like with the ball in his hands. He looks great. I said, you know, uh, I asked Andy one day, you know, do you think they could try to put him on some sort of Edelman track where he returns kicks, tries to be a receiver because he himself said, I'll do whatever it takes to make the team. Oh, I got the usual earful. Oh, so he's going to be a Super Bowl MVP. Oh, you're just comparing him to one of the clutchest players in Patriots. Has any chance to bust my football? Andy That's does. Fine. I know. That's what a Andy do. What Andy does. I get Objectivity. it. Um, do you believe there's any chance either of these guys makes the team? And if we temper expectations, could have a little impact this year and then grow with the offense. Yeah, I mean, the booty thing kind of reminds me of what they did a lot in like the mid 2000s with Brady, where they'd get like, you know, this former first round pick receiver that flamed out and, you know, and bring him in, just give him a try. A lot of times it didn't work out, but they were always open to that. So, I mean, I, I just, I love the, and I throw Demario Douglas in there too, because I just kind of consider True. those guys joined at the hip. And I like what they both represent, where with booty, former five star recruit, did it at the highest level. If he had continued to do it, he would have been, you know, a first round kind of consideration guy has character, you know, concerns with, with how everything went down last year and all the, all the off field stuff, but at six round, I mean, what, 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 what do you have to lose? I don't really have high expectations um, for him, but I just, I think one of those two, I need to see one of those two. And I, you know, and Douglas is a small school guy, but you know, has that kind of electric quickness. And I think Paul was, was writing his uh, profile and, you know, kind of almost got, the vibe of, hey, if Marcus Jones played offense full time, this is kind of, you know, might what be, might kind of be what he would be like. So hard to say, like, oh, these guys are going to come in and, you know, get make it make, uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne redundant and they'll be able to get. I'm not going to say that, but I just if one of those guys could come in, be the fourth or fifth receiver, jump in in specialty situations, help out with punt returns. I think it would be a huge need filled 
as for Cunningham, I'm 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 not really holding out hope he's going to be a receiver, but I do think that they've gotten lit up going back to like 2019 by Lamar and people of his ilk who run well. And, you know, I think part of that is like one, I'd look at like a Mapu to say like, like they're still last year, watch Mac Wilson try to go against Lamar look like he was, as we said, in a blender the whole time. Um, you know, can they find somebody who's smart enough to, and, and quick enough to keep up with those guys? So I just, I like the thought of Cunningham even just being the practice squad guy. And, you know, when we've got to face the Justin Fields or we've got to mm-hmm. face one of these mobile quarterbacks, we've got a guy who can't just get, who's not just going to give us a look, but is going to really show the kind of like speed that you need to be aware of that he has. Cause you just can't recreate it. So I love the speed aspect of it. I, I'm not really holding out hope that there's some kind of intrigue that he's going to like, you know, push Mac and all of a sudden he's the third quarterback and all that kind of stuff. But um, I do think it's a big need and it's been a big problem for this defense. You talk about, you know, they're a little bit overrated when it goes well and they play a third string quarterback who doesn't really know like, Hey, it's all good then. But you know, when you get a quarterback who can run and you got to think about that part of it, they've, they've had some trouble. So we've touched a little bit on Grow and Bill O'Brien. I'm wondering what you think of the power structure within the organization, which has been obviously a big topic this offseason. Add in Gerard Mayo, Steve Belichick, Joe Judge, his role to that mix. Uh, I threw the phrase around for Bill Belichick, semi-retired. I think he is now an overseer. I think he has a lot of people with A, credibility, the word we've been using, but Mm -hmm. also that he trusts in a lot of those roles and maybe he won't have to be all do all wear all the hats as Steve Belichick says. So what are your overall thoughts of how this organization coaching staff, the structure of everything comes together uh, maybe in response to the dysfunction of a year ago and probably at the um, behest or the pushing of the craft family. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting because I don't know how you guys felt, but I just, like when Bill O'Brien came into the room a couple of weeks ago and we got to interview him, it's just like this. I said to Paul, I'm like, this guy, he's got like head coach swagger. Like yep. he just like, you know, he just has a confidence about him and what he does, where he's been. He's obviously seen it all at this point. So I just love that ad- addition where it just feels like, all right, certainly Bill at this point can say, tell me what you need to, but I don't need to have my hand in this. Right. The only thing I just would wonder is how much of an influence did Bill have on the direction that the offense tried to take last year? I mean, I know it didn't work, but what was the impetus? Because it, you know, it seemed to everybody who was out there watching, you guys saw it. It's like, wow, they really want to push the ball down the field. That was the only thing they could really do. Uh, you know, there just, there wasn't much of that underneath stuff anymore. It just, it just seems philosophically it, it shifted a little bit. And my, my question is, is Bill still driving that kind of philosophical switch? Not so much, you know, saying, all right, we need to run these plays, but just saying, look, if we want to compete in today's NFL, I feel that we need to go downfield more with, you know, like it's just, that feels like part of it. So is that going to carry over into this coaching staff? And I mean, I know Joe judge is, uh, you know, was part of the, that offensive coaching staff last year, but you know, just not having that Ernie Adams guy. I mean, he had the Maddie P up there a couple of years ago, you know, just to have these kind of support pieces in place so that, you know, he can be as effective as possible and have his hands in as many different things. and doesn't need to get bogged down, you know, in the offense or the defense this year. So maybe he can give some attention to special teams and all that. So I hope so. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm wondering where things are headed that, you know, last year that that whole situation did not work out well. I think everybody kind of feels like, man, we didn't really accomplish much last year. It feels like we kind of burned a year. Um, no, like, entirely. That's exactly, right. Deuce, that is the government. biggest takeaway. They pardon, pardon my French. They pissed away a year. Like Mac Jones is basically, I call it his emotional redshirt season. Like it's his third year in the league, but to me, he's a second year quarterback because if anything, they undid so much 
of what he learned in the progress, quality progress he made, not as a five-star or blue-chip quarterback entering the NFL, but as a serviceable mid-level quarterback who made significant strides. And everyone would have wanted him over Trevor Lawrence after 2021. And now it's the exact opposite because we see what quality coaching and competent coordinating. All the C words. That's Andy's big thing recently. He's, he keeps saying, like, the Patriots are all about the C word. Competence. <laughs> confidence. Competitive. Like, this is what we can expect out of the team this year. Uh, and I, I think that it's crazy to think that, and I, you know, I fawned over and geeked out about that graphic yesterday from the game day NFL on the socials, where it's like, most playoff wins by NFL teams since 2000 and the Patriots have 30 and the next team doesn't even have half as many. And, and it just sort of washes over you like, oh my God, we really will never wrap our mind around how great they were and how good we had it for so long. But it is so jarring when you're like, okay, so we woke up every year and we're like, well, AFC championship for starters. And now it's like, can we be competent? My God. <laughs> Yeah. And I just, I mean, I just want to get back to the things that, you know, that we kind of came to believe over the course of 20 years. Certainly Tom Brady was Tom Brady and that whole element of it is, you know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And that covers up a lot, but still, I don't think it's too much to expect a team that doesn't make stupid mistakes in the key moments that, you know, isn't having self-inflicted wounds. Like, you know, those things, like I can deal with a lot. I can deal with, you know, just coming up short when you played well and all that. But, you know, just last year, there was just too much where it felt like, you're not even giving yourselves a chance right now. And that's, you know, always that core tenant that we begin, we come to believe that you got to learn how to not lose first before you can win. And, you know, it just felt like last year's team was, was a step back and, you know, just couldn't quite get out of their own way in some of the key times. So that's the biggest hope of just the restructured coaching staff that they're able to, you know, pull that stuff out in the big moments and, you know, play their best football against the best teams. It's just something we haven't seen a lot of in the last few years. And it's, you know, certainly, they house those bad teams. Team come here not ready to play or shorthanded. They're ready to go. It's just they got to they got to get back to beating good teams. And I think that's the biggest thing that just you know stands out. Improve drafts, beat the good teams, and, and they'll be back on track. And entertain me because I don't think they've been a very entertaining football a, team for a couple of years. That's a great point. And I just look at like you know like the the, the ten three over the Jets, which was like my uh, God, how, what, we sat through fifty nine minutes, one and, what, forty play, of that. <laughs> one you know, play. And at least, you know, 2021, at least like, look, it didn't always go great, but you gave Tampa a hell of a time. You gave Dallas was a hell of yep. a game to watch. It was fun. Uh, it was. You yeah, know, was. there's just, there weren't a lot of those games where it just, I think that's a big thing. It's like, you kind of get a sense, eh, Patriots are cooked in this one. And, you know, when it's against a good team, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, but as soon as Buffalo ran that opening kickoff, I'm like, there we go again. You know, but then so they it, stormed back and they took the lead. Right. And that was the most shocking thing of the whole and season. And the D and, and Andy and Andy and Deuce, the defense let them down late. And then Mac Mac tried too hard and he threw some dumb picks late on. So the offense wasn't prepared just kind of like back in the preseason of 2022. And they said, uh, offensive players reportedly said, so what are we going to do if the defense reacts to the formation we put out there? And they were told like, ah, we'll figure that out later. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, but that's the Bill O'Brien thing where he's got the answers right away. You know, he's just been through it all. And you know, that kind of confidence trickles down through the team. And so, you know, I just, I do, I have high expectations for, for what he's able to do. I mean, I think, you know, it's just last year, the coaching, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. And I don't think the players ever bought in and it's shocking in, in retrospect to say that because at the time I was like, I don't know how you were Fitzy, like kicking and screaming the whole time. Like this can't can't be it like this can't be really bad it can't be this bad really like this is really how it's gonna go oh, yeah. and the whole season i mean it's just it was you know joint practices i mean everything it was just you're always kind of like oh, oh 
they had a couple good plays there, you know, like that. But it looked the same the whole season long. They make a couple big plays down the field. They'd have a bunch of screwy mistakes, false starts, all that kind of stuff. They'd back up. You know, it was the same thing. The narrative that was established in August continued through the year. So they got to break that cycle. If the narrative this year is um, looking like, let's just say that the narrative that the, the Red Sox are going down, there were some low expectations, roster not exactly decked out in stars, but now they're a competitive team. They're entertaining. Probably not going to be a playoff team when the totality of the season plays out. It's a long year. But let's just say the Patriots go sort of down that same road. You mentioned it earlier. The division's tough. You're in a tough yep. division. If they are, I've been saying this, they might be a much better team that finishes in fourth place. Is that good enough? Like, is that enough for you? Is that enough for fans? Is that enough for Robert and Jonathan Kraft? Is that is that enough to be better but not good enough? I mean, if that's the situation, I mean, of course, you need to sit, tell me, like, what do the losses look like? You know, oh, they lost in overtime to Buffalo. Like, oh, my God, right. we had, you know, like, but I would just say, you know, kind of to get back to my last point, do you come out of this season feeling like, hey, we've got maybe two, maybe three potential NFL stars brewing on this team that we didn't quite realize before the season? And wow, you know, I, I, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but holy crap, you know, Tyquan Thornton had 900 yards receiving and, you know, had that one game where he was just, he was running by everybody. And wow, yeah. Mac just looks rejuvenated with Bill O'Brien. And this really plays into all the strengths that we thought Mac Jones, you know, had in his coming out and in his first year of his ability to process and get the ball out quick to the right guy. And wow, when he's in an actually coordinated offense, that it's amazing how effective he can actually be. So, you know, but it's it's tough. And, and like you said, it's just the division is an absolute beast right now. And I mean, it's the common refrain. What would have happened last year with those Jets games if Aaron Rodgers had been on that team? It probably would have been a little bit different. So um, a little. <laughs> I, I, but I have to say, like, I just I haven't given up hope. I still, you know, I still have to see it with Miami. I have to see Miami sustain it because I don't think Miami's, you know, last couple drafts have been absolute slam dunks. Of course, they got Ramsey and that's, you know, something you got to deal with. But and they got Chubb and they and they got talent. I mean, there's no yeah. question they got talent in, in key spots. But, you know, I, I think the Patriots will be competitive with them. Um, you know, we'll see. I think everybody's just waiting with the Jets to see. All right. Is it going to actually be good or is it going to somehow still be a train wreck? I don't think anything can be ruled out with that team. No, I the the Jets will be the most fascinating team, and uh, we'll rapid fire through our last couple thoughts because uh, you've been generous enough with your time as it is. But we can never stop talking with the Where ultimate serious football guy. I know, right? Do? This is what we. This is what. This is this is what and or how we do. Even in May, after the draft, when we're supposed to be in yet one of the other lulls. Okay, schedule release is coming. It's such another made-up NFL holiday. You guys will have a whole big schedule palooza. We're doing an entire show Thursday night on WEI. Me, Hart, Keith, talking draft. Excuse me, talking schedule, everything else. The international game gets announced on Wednesday. It's looking like it's going to be a mid-November affair in Frankfurt against the Saints, which should be awesome. Derek Carr, Mac Jones, whatever. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolute blast. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah like that one up. <laughs> yeah. Mac, Mac Jones versus, you know, Mac Jones five years from now, whatever. <laughs> It'll just be fun. I hear the beer is good. The schnitzel's delish. Yeah. We're just going to go have fresh beer. It's fine. Purity standards and laws. It's fine. Uh, what do you think? What, what are you looking forward to seeing? Like when the schedule comes out, I'm obviously looking immediately for the opener. I really do not want it to be against Miami again. I'm good with that for a while. <laughs> Pat's fins to open the season. Chicken. I no, I want the Jets. I want I want Pat's Jets Ooh. to open the season. I think that would be Belichick great. Rogers. And you know what? And I want it, I want it in Mordor. I want to open <laughs> in Jersey. Ooh, 
that would be fun. I mean, I I could get up for that. I mean, I will say I always like the Jets rivalry best when Rex Ryan was there and you just he got you so fired up, you know, like you just you knew that they were going to bring their best punch. And, you know, I just it, it's so much better when you have rivalries and juice within the division. Yes. yes. Um, I don't know if I'm getting old and jaded, but now I feel like I'm looking more of like, all right, how many night games? How many are back to back? What are the short yep. weeks like? Dad needs to sleep like. What am I gonna? What, what what's the yeah. Monday night? What's my Thursday night game gonna look like? When do I have to plan my down days? <laughs> right. Are you planning how no. much fiber you're gonna pack on the trip too, old oh. man? No, actually, we all do the same thing. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm like, I'm almost as interested to see the preseason schedule because, like, all right, what's my what's my summer gonna look like? What's August gonna look like? Yep. You know, it sounds like there are, are are rumors of a couple joint practice trips, which I I always enjoy. Um, so maybe it's a little bit more of the logistics, but I mean, there's just so many, you know, great matchups this year within the division. When are you going down to Miami? What's that? You know, when are you, when are you, when are you got to play in Buffalo? Is it in December again, uh, January? When, when do those games look like? So for me, I always start with the division. I just feel like the road to the playoffs goes through the division. These teams have, you know, kind of owned you. Two of them have kind of owned you for the last few years. You, you've maintained your dominance over the Jets, but that equation has changed. Um so that's always where I start, but I think Germany will will, will be an all a lot of fun as if that all works out uh, as you laid out. So uh, hopefully we'll be there, and uh, you know we're getting like a crash course in like the different regions of Germany. So like you don't really wear lederhosen and that stuff in the south of Germany. So um, just something to be aware of with your content when you're trying to pitch to the Frankfurt people so you get it right. Don't offend them with your idiocy. Right. right. Sorry, Clark Griswold. We're going European vacation, you know. Interesting. Um, the other thing that I'm interested in with with the the schedule, and I know let's take a step back for a second. I know the schedule is just changing dramatically with the streaming networks and the no guaranteed primetime games and just mm -hmm. the all of it. But there is still I going love to that be, though. You're gonna find out what the TV networks and what the NFL thinks of the Patriots by yeah. their primetime appearances and sort of their big games and as you've kind of alluded to with your tone for the previous 40 plus minutes <laughs> i don't think there's going to be a lot of like wow patriots games because there's no wow to them there's no buzz to them there's no star factor like the biggest thing they still have going for them is their grumpy old coach yeah no i, I mean i think wow. the jets ones like like fitzy mentioned you know that that one's interesting. I mean, the Eagles. I mean, I still think that the Patriots have some juice. I mean, I don't think that they're, uh, you know, the 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 bottom feeders of the league by any. You know, there's certainly a huge draw still with them. But you're right. I mean, are they going to be all those primetime games? Would I want to put Patriots Bills in primetime still? I mean, a few years ago, that's great, but eh, that might not be the most competitive, you know, game. At least that's how it's gone the last couple of years. So um, certainly a reflection on on how the league feels about the team. Also, just praying to God that we're not that Black Friday game. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, please. I love the idea there's a Black Friday game. I have no desire. They, you know, I'm, I'm, but it's going to happen. Patriots Cowboys is going to get put on some holiday or in some primetime viewing. It's going to like give it we right to us. Last year, we don't all want to work on Thanksgiving again, right? Is that a well, fisty no. fisting right there? <laughs> That's well, some people call me fisty sometimes, so you never know. Uh, all right, real quick, Deuce. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Mike Vrabel gets into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Your thoughts on him winning that? And also tell me, what do I have to do? What do we have to do to put Welka, our pre, one of our pre, one of our original Foxborough fanboy fan crushes? What do we got to do to get the legend of Welka, get some respect back on that name in this region, and get him into the Pats Hall of Fame? Oh God, can you erase uh, Super Bowl Forty Six? Because I think that's what everybody holds against him is uh, is one play. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, but happy for Vrabel. I mean, it was just dragging on too long. I mean, I just think in so many ways Vrabel 
embodies a lot of what we talk about with what this Patriots team was. And, you know, not to say that he was like a totally forgotten free agent cast off in Pittsburgh. I think he just, you know, was part of the rotation there at linebacker. He just wanted a chance to start. But, you know, we kind of started that whole thing of, hey, we, we signed these like free agent. You don't really know who he is. And he goes on to be, you know, just one of the most versatile players catching touchdowns. I mean, 10 touchdowns. It's just insane to me. Uh, and some of those catches were just were so impressive. He was just such a hard ass too. I just, I just love the way he played. He was a total pain in the ass to play against. And just, you know, one of those players you talk about going into a game where you're like, I just have confidence because this guy's on my team. That was how I always felt about Mike Rabel. You know, whether he's playing defense, offense, special teams, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, but we got to get we got to get Welker in there. It's one of the, it's one of the things I just I hate about this is just how one play can, can change things of, of how fans look at a player. And I mean, just the way you felt about that guy in 07, 08 without Brady, 2009, when he went down with his ACL comes back in 2010 and is, you know, similarly productive. I mean, it's just, there was no drop off. He was just such a unique and fun player to watch. He was just so tough. And, and I'm, I'm I just, it makes me bummed out that, you know, that kind of gets lost because of that, you know, one play in the Super Bowl, which I think most people kind of say, I always say, tough catch that he maybe should have caught you know? so did bill like, o'brien bill o'brien said the same thing he said it was after the game he said it wasn't a drop no right. i mean it's, it's like hit him right. off the face it wasn't great Throw i mean it wasn't great let's keep brady a, out of the right. hole too right i know i know you know it's the super bowl and it's a huge play and you can talk well. about <laughs> the plays that julian edelman did come through in the super bowl that were yeah. you know that were all similarly uh difficult catches to make but at the same time you know one play doesn't make a player and, and i mean the guy probably would have been mvp of 42 if they had if they had yep. hung on in that one too so um just love welker and, and hope that that can all be water under the bridge someday uh you know have him come here and, and get a nice round of, of applause but i don't know man fans are fickle yeah, I blame you people. There we go. Oh, there's Andy. There we go. Finally. How dare you drop it? You yep. Foxborough faithful, faithful uh, ass, as I like to say. All right, last, qu last question. We got to wrap up. And now he's getting angry. This has been yeah. too good a podcast for you to ruin it in the end. Last question, Andy. Uh, so, simple one. I'm sure we'll talk to you again, but I'm asking this mostly because of the tone I got from you yeah. throughout this. Uh, what's the Patriots record going to be this year? Ooh, um, people are doing early rosters. We're doing early record predictions even yeah, before yeah. the schedule drop. Wow. Nine and eight. Wow, wow, wow. Nine and eight. Oh, that's actually really more gonna... optimistic than I took from your tone. No, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I look, I think that they were a better team last year than they ever put forth on the field. You know, and I, I mean, I think that you, you get overly depressed with how how ineffective it was last year and, you know, just the bad vibes overall that, that kind of gathered steam throughout the season. And, you know, you just didn't feel great about the team. And some of that still lingers. But I think you know, the, the quality of the draft players that they're able to come in. And I'm just, you know, so excited to to see Gonzalez, to see those two rookie receivers on the field in a couple of weeks. I know it's OTAs. You can't tell much. But, um, you know, just I think that those guys, it's if, if those guys start to pop and you see something out of, you know, the guys from last year that maybe you didn't quite see enough, is, is Jack Jones going to come back and, you know, all, everything's water under the bridge. He's back out there. He's going to be a contributor again. Okay. Um, you know, how do they fill the McCourty hole? That That's part of it too. But, I, you know, if those young guys start to pop again, um, you know, I think we'll start to feel better. But it's just hard to say you haven't made that, you know, huge change other than I think Bill O'Brien's enough to get you a couple more wins. And then if the players ascend, maybe, maybe you get 10, maybe you get 11. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the same damn record I keep offering every season, 10 and 7. They are 9 and 10 against the AFC East since Tom Brady left and his utter run of dominance against the AFC East. Six of those wins are against the Jetropolitans. Yeah. I say this season, if you split with the AFC East and they all, every team in the AFC East has a brutal schedule. If you can split with all the teams in the AFC East, 
and then just win one or two more than you lose the rest of the way. If, if against the rest of the league of those other 11 games, if you can go six and five or even seven and four, heaven forbid, you may you may see yourself a making progress, b being competitive, c entertaining us, and d with a shot to play meaningful football in January, which with our standards and expectations reset deuce is all we could possibly ask folks. Make sure you read them on the regular patriots.com. Listen to them Tuesday through Thursday Patriots unfiltered or subscribe to the podcast. He's down there with the laser show with Freddie Kirsch with Perillo and company always having a good time. Give him a follow on the tweet machine at Mike do 19 as well. Deuce. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope we will speak again. We'll see you down the stadium this summertime. Hopefully we'll actually hang out in person. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm good for the first round in Frankfurt come November. Love it. Thanks, guys. See you, Deuce. All right. All right, Deuce. That'll do uh, for Deuce, for Jumbo. This is Fitzy. Thanks for listening once again to Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by WEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Always a pleasure. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Take care. Good day. God bless. And as always, go Pats. <laughs>